and good morning to you, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, the voice, daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. And to you, Matt, and to all of our listeners around here, we say happy Friday Eve. Happy Friday Eve to you, Matt, and everyone listening. Good morning to you. Indeed, Zach. Happy Friday Eve. We're almost there. <laughs> it makes it seem just that much closer. One day closer uh, to the answer rate. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Now at two locations around town. Coming soon, the answer rate is now in two places around town. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, no, I'm excited for today's show. I want to jump right in. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, we've been talking about homelessness in Tucson on the program. So our first guest, who I'll introduce in a minute, uh, is a uh, an expert on this topic uh, through her work. And we're going to talk about uh, one way to solve this issue. Uh, and we'll get into that in a second. In the back half of the show, we'll talk with Devin Underwood about retaining talent in Tucson, retaining great people in our community. So a good show ahead, and I want to jump right in. Lisa Chastain is with us live in studio. This, let me get this right. The CEO of the Gospel Rescue Mission, uh, which runs the Center of Opportunity here in Tucson. Lisa, it's great to be with you. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for having me. And I got a tour yesterday of the mm-hmm. Center of Opportunity. I'm going to post some pictures soon. Incredible. Um, what you are doing. And maybe we start off with this, Lisa. I, I've been talking about homelessness on this show a lot. Uh, I was speaking about it before. It was literally in my backyard. Now it's in my backyard. Now I'm really looking at it. Um, but I started to look at the numbers, and I saw that there's 260 encampments, I think, in Tucson now. There are 2,000 people in Pima County um, who need a roof over their head on any given night in greater Tucson. Uh, Pre-COVID, there was a 60% spike in homelessness. These numbers were going up pre-COVID, and COVID just exacerbated it. Uh, We have to find a solution. And the solution that I've been talking about on this show is not something I came up with, but I'm looking at the data. I'm looking at the research, and it's uh, I've been calling it shelter first, treatment first, housing earned, um, where there is an address to the fact that more people need more roofs over their head, uh, that mental health and substance abuse is at the core of so many issues of those who find themselves on the street. We have to find those, we have to solve those things first, and then we can tackle the permanent housing piece. And when I toured the Center of Opportunity yesterday, I saw what I think is that model in place. Tell me if I'm right. Tell us a little bit more about the Center of Opportunity and your approach to tackling homelessness in Tucson. Well, we believe you're right. Um, So the Center of Opportunity is a one-stop shop uh, to bring all the services together under one roof or under one campus. Uh, I'll give you a little history. Historically, Tucson has needed something like this for decades. Uh, I've been committed to it for the last 15 years um, because, you know, transportation is a problem in Tucson. You know, us with working vehicles have a hard time getting from A to B. So imagine yourself on foot or on bicycle or, you know, on public transportation systems. Um, If you're at a place 
and you need to get help and they refer you to a place 20 miles away, you know, you're not going to get there. So bringing all the services together not only expedites somebody from homelessness to wholeness, um, but it but it's more restores more dignity and respect. So we were so grateful with the um, amazing um, gift of Humberto Lopez and the Lopez Family Foundation that gifted the property of the old Holiday Inn Holodome on South Palo Verde. And we turned that into the center of opportunity. Gospel Rescue Mission is there as the managing partner, we call us. Uh, we're doing the shelter services, the meals, the addiction recovery, bringing all of the services together. Pre-COVID, we had 30 different organizations working together to bring services to the homeless. Um, right now, we are working on bringing everybody back post-COVID, and we're trying to uh, create that one-stop environment again and get people really the treatment that they deserve, the services that they deserve, and in the long run, you know, get them into housing. Walk me through a little bit of uh, the kind of the quick tour. I have the map that I saw in in my head, but uh, what what are some of the the services? What is the the flow of transformation? It sounds weirder saying it than it was in my head, but what is the flow of services that you provide to individuals who are finding themselves unhoused? What, what is what does that flow look like of service at, well, the, at Center of Opportunity? The people that we serve, Zach, are we see eighty percent fall in the categories of addiction and uh, mental health. So um, so the people can come in off the streets. Um, they get uh, go through the intake process. They're brought into the center. And you might be there for because your lack of employment, you're looking for a job, uh, you're looking for housing, you need addiction recovery, or you know what? I don't want anything. I just want to, you know, a, a bed to sleep in and a warm meal and a warm shower and those uh, um, uh, those types of individuals are welcome as well. But if I had to put, you know, three buckets in place, you know, um, everybody's individually case managed when they walk in the door, but they fall within three categories. And that's that short, short-term stay, mm-hmm. somebody who just wants to get off the streets, but they don't want to commit to program. Um, then those that are looking for uh, housing or employment are typically there for about three months. And our addiction recovery program is a year long. You know, we believe believe that uh, it takes a long time to change somebody's value system. When they're on the streets, their value system is lying and stealing and cheating. And um, and so, you know, the 30, 60, 90 day programs don't tend to work for the majority of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so we offer that long term stay where they can stabilize, where they can uh, detox, where they can, you know, get in the right frame of mind to really get the help that they need. Before we go to break, give us a sense of kind of the numbers. How many shelter beds um, are available uh, on a given night at the Center of Opportunity? Let's start there. Yeah, so we have 350 shelter beds at the Center of Opportunity. The Gospel Rescue Mission also has an additional location on Miracle Mile, which is our women's recovery center, and we have 109 beds. So altogether uh, in Tucson, we have over 450 beds that are available um, for those to get off the streets and uh, and uh, get some help that they need. And the, and the, the idea behind the long-term, use the phrase, supportive housing comes with it a requirement of going through the programs, addressing mental health and substance abuse, um, and then there are individual unit beds uh, that are provided to those who are working through recovery. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. You know, we believe that 
the compassionate approach is to get people off the streets, offer them treatment, remove them from the open drug scene, and um, really get, make some sustaining impact on their lives and the state of homelessness in Tucson. Do you have numbers around those who have recovered, found jobs? I think what's interesting, and we haven't covered it yet, is there's kind of this welcome uh, environment. El Rio is there. Uh, economic uh, security is there. I think Pima Community College is going to collaborate on workforce training and development. And then there is the kind of uh, the, 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 sh- the shelter uh, at scale model, and then there's the individual rooms for women and families, and then also men who are um, recovering out of drug abuse and, and addiction. Uh, what are some of the quick kind of annual report numbers before we go to break, and then we'll go meta on this? But yeah, so in last year we placed over almost 500 people in jobs. Jeez, we three over 300, almost 400 people were placed in permanent housing. Over almost 200 people uh, completed the addiction recovery program. So our transformational services reports are kind of off the chart. Um, And those are people that we know that can get into housing and be successful because they're already planted, they already have employment, um, and they sustain, you know, their their lease obligations and be a a, a, a member of society. And um, so we're seeing you know, the numbers, even though our numbers were last year, we were at 50% due to COVID, um, but our transformational services numbers were more than what we did even the year before. So we know what we're doing is bringing uh, life to those that we serve and giving them a new beginning. And um, so we welcome, you know, we're sitting on 100 beds that we have available. So, you know, the city's saying, oh, we need housing, we need housing. Well, we still have 100 shelter beds that are available um, for uh, for treatment or for employment um, to help them navigate to get into permanent housing to make sure they're stable. Um, so, uh, so it's important forever your listeners to know that um, they can bring somebody over to the center of opportunity and we can help them immediately. It's been my growing opinion, again, that shelter-first, treatment-first housing earned model is going to more quickly at scale tackle the homelessness challenge we have before it really spins out of control. But that model is, I think, backwards of what uh, municipalities around the country do. Um, Housing first uh, was a Republican uh, idea before it was really scaled as a Democratic idea under Barack Obama. So this is not a political conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is bipartisan at this point, but it's not working at scale for cities, and I think ours fits into that bucket. So Lisa, I want to go to a break. When we come back, uh, we'll expand the conversation and talk about, from your view, what should we be doing better to tackle homelessness at scale in our community? Uh, and is what you do a model? And if it is, how can we expand it across Tucson? Uh, we'll also take some listener calls if they call in, Lisa, if that's okay. Absolutely. We'll be right, absolutely. We'll be right back. Matt will take us to some commercial breaks. When we come back, part two of our conversation this morning with Lisa Chastain, the CEO of Gospel Rescue Mission, the managing uh, entity of the Center of Opportunity here in Tucson. We'll be right back. Radio by and for the people of Tucson. 1030 The Voice. Trusted local news and talk. 
Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. Hey, guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I was hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I didn't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. And it's working. I'm losing the weight. If you're ready for a three-month journey to better health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Casser family wing of Latin American art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. And we're back live here out of the Common Workspace Studios. Tipping point this Friday Eve, Thursday edition. Lisa Chastain is with us. Let's jump right back in. Lisa's the uh, Chief Executive Officer of the Gospel Rescue Mission, which manages the Center of Opportunity. Uh, we're talking about homelessness quite a bit on this show. And I give you some of my thoughts, but what's more important is to bring in the people who are on the ground doing the work, who have expertise on this issue. Uh, and Lisa is one of those uh, guests in a series of conversations. Uh, we talked about what the Center of Opportunity is doing in our community specifically. Uh, I want to talk more community-wide now. 
now about how do we tackle this massive spike in homelessness and what are the right ways and what are the ways that uh, may not be as effective. I want to go to our phone lines to start real quick. Matt, do we still have Rick on the line? Perfect. Let's go to Rick. Rick, thanks for calling in. You're live with Lisa Chastain here on the air. Go ahead. Hi. Thank you. Uh, First of all, um, many of the homeless have other related issues, mental health issues and things of this nature. How do you support that or help your clients access that asset? Yeah, thanks for your uh, question, Rick. Um, We have mental health providers at the Center of Opportunity. We address those immediately. You know, if somebody comes to the Center of Opportunity and they're in a manic state, uh, we will outsource them to uh, a crisis response center, and um, but we'll hold a bed for them. So we monitor them even if if they're at a different location, um, and if they can be stabilized with medication, you know that they can come back to us and continue their mental their mental health care. Uh, that's not something Gospel Rescue Mission does, uh, but we partner together with the Wellbeing Institute and El Rio Health, and they help with their mental health issues for uh, the clients that we serve. Rick, I appreciate the yeah. Rick, I appreciate the question and and thank you, uh, Lisa, for the answer. Lisa, I wanted to ask you uh, about from your perspective, what do we need to do to get ahead of the homelessness issue? And from your vantage point, are we on the right track intergovernmentally, public-private partnership? Are you encouraged, discouraged, somewhere in between? Yeah, you know, Zach, it's not um, that anybody has the sole answer. You know, I've been called to collaboration for many, many years in the city, and I work by that methodology. You know, we need all of us working together to combat the issue. So I don't believe that housing first is the answer. Um, I don't believe that, you know, um, the gospel rescue mission is the sole answer, Um, but we need to work together. It's not one way or the other. And the thing that I'm discouraged about, you know, Zach, is all you hear from our leaders is housing first. And that's not the only option in this city. You know, the city has great assets. Man, there's so many great nonprofits in Tucson, and we need to work together to solve this problem. Um, If we're going to go solely the housing first um, method, uh, we have strong data across the nation that's ineffective. And uh, just to put it simply, you know, the majority of people, if you're broken, you put them in a house, they're so broken. Uh, Let's really do the compassionate way and really help people get the help that they deserve and uh, set them on their feet to a successful path before we put them in housing. Lisa, could you define for us housing first? And another term is used as permanent supportive housing. Give me the 30-second, what is that, and how is it different from your model at the Center of Opportunity? Well, the Center of Opportunity is shelter. You know, it's temporary housing. We are not, we are a stepping stone into permanent housing. And, you know, subsidized housing is an option for a lot of the people that we serve. Obviously, they're coming from a zero-income homeless situation. Uh, So subsidized housing is, you know, more uh, logical for them to make that next step. Um, But um, the supportive housing is wraparound 
wraparound services, not to the extent of what we have at the Center of Opportunity, um, but it does help, but it's not mandatory. And um, for us, we really want people to get that treatment and uh, get on their feet, like I said, and have a successful life. So uh, subsidized housing is a part of the plan. It's a part of our plan for our people. Um, But if we do our job right, you know, we're getting them job training so they can get higher paying jobs um, so that they might not even need subsidized housing. Um, So the scenario is is, um, the net is quite cast large in a large way. So housing first basically is if we provide uh, uh, individuals at risk unhoused with a with a home environment um, that is more individualized, one or two beds per unit, um, that that will provide the stability to then get clean and go get a job. That I think is the is the broad, probably too simplistic theory of housing first. And and, and you're seeing data that shows that that that's not working. Is what I'm hearing. The majority of that does not work um, because it's not mandatory that they get the services that they need. Um, so you put them in housing and, yeah, you wrap around services. And I'm not saying that this is all or none. I'm saying the majority, you know, remain unsuccessful. And um, and so what we want to do is partner together with those, um, those uh, supportive housing uh, units and bring, you know, transformation to the individual, then put them in supportive housing. Lisa, I think we need more shelter beds in Tucson. Am I wrong? <laughs> well, like I said, we're sitting with 100 empty shelter beds. Uh, so let's fill the shelter beds that we have, and uh, then we can have that discussion. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't think that was the answer that I was, that I was, uh, that I was anticipating. But in the sense is, I think, at this point, our community is asking a question, and that is, are we better investing dollars into shelter, transitional shelter, or into housing units? And, well, I, and I think the ROI is lower on housing units, especially if there is not paths out for individuals who are in them. But what do I know? Well, yeah, and I'm very biased, you know, Zach. So here we sit here with our own opinions. But um, for sure, I think that, um, you know, if we're going to wrap the we're going to rally around the treatment first approach, then absolutely we would need more shelter beds. And um, so uh, I would love to see that happen. Yeah, I think in my own in my own life, I'm, you know, hearing that for individuals who are part of the tent city in my neighborhood to get shelter folks who are currently in shelter need to leave shelter. And I think to myself, what kind of model is that when we're recycling individuals who clearly need uh, a better hand up on actually tackling these issues? We've only scratched the surface, uh, Lisa, but I appreciate you coming in and providing your perspective. And what I saw at the Center of Opportunity yesterday was really incredible. Where can people go to find out more about you, support what you do, ask you some of these questions and learn on the way? Yeah, great. Thank you, Zach. Um, you can go to grmtucson.com, uh, and that's our website, and that has the majority of the information. You can call us at 740-1501, and um, please reach out. You know, if you're if you're not clear on what we do or or what we provide, um, please reach out to us, and uh, we'd be happy to answer any of your questions. We are privately funded nonprofit, so we welcome your donations. Uh, we welcome your volunteerism. Um, we're also uh, the only nonprofit in town that collects in-kind contributions from the community and gives it right back out for free to low-income families. So your in-kind donations are important to us as well. I love it. Lisa, thank you. I knew the time was going to fly. 
Let's do this again soon. There's so much to talk about. Yes. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Lisa, for what you do. Lisa Chastain, CEO of Gospel Rescue Mission, manager of the Center of Opportunity. When we come back, Devin Underwood will be with us. We're going to talk talent, attraction, and retention in greater Tucson. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back here on 1030 The Voice. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And we're back Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. Welcome live if you're just joining us out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice, Daily In-Depth News, conversation and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. We just said goodbye to Lisa Chastain, uh, the CEO of Gospel Rescue Mission, uh, the managing entity of the Center of Opportunity, uh, part of our ongoing series with experts in the community around the homelessness issue um, in Tucson and what can be done. Uh, So interesting conversation. Check us back out on the podcast if you missed it or only caught part of it. Uh, But we're going to completely turn the page to a a very different topic, uh, and that is one that we have ongoing uh, in this uh, weird labor market, retirement market uh, that is greater Tucson and everywhere right now. We're talking talent, att- attraction, retention, getting the right people and the right seats at the right time, doing the right job in your business and organization so you can grow and so our community can grow. Our guide, 
on that journey is Devin Underwood, principal and founder of The Talent Store. And joining us on our live line, 520-790-2040, is Devin this Friday Eve, Thursday. Devin Underwood, good morning to you. (laughs) Hey, Zach, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, This is a week where I don't need it to be Thursday Eve. This week is flying too fast on its own, so I'm okay with it being just Thursday. It's a a fast-moving week. Uh, But I'm excited about the conversation uh, that I think we're going to have today. And uh, that is around, maybe I'll just call it the uh, the silver tsunami, uh, Devin. And <laughs> we, we talk about it in very ways on the show. We know that the housing market is about to see a real flip um, as older uh, boomers begin to either uh, to move on in a variety of ways and what that's going to do there. Uh, there is a, a, a retirement movement. Uh, leaders of organizations, certainly around COVID, have stepped back from organizations in a variety of ways. And it has really brought to mind, I think, Devin, this idea of succession planning, how to transfer knowledge and retain employees in key roles. Um, and I know that's top of mind mm-hmm. for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's sort of everything combining at once. So you've got um, a lot of our leadership or workforce leadership heading toward retirement. Um, you've got the great resignation or great reshuffle that's going on and people kind of um, questioning their purpose and, and where they belong or where they fit and making changes accordingly. And then, you know, you've also got this talent retention piece that when you talk to that mid-level or upcoming leadership, you know, what they're looking for is continuous challenge and continuous learning. And so how do you incorporate career paths that don't have to be ladders necessarily, but can be milestones to achieve to keep people challenged? And so all of that can be part of succession planning and why succession planning has become such an important topic in terms of attracting and retaining talent and planning for your workforce's shifts and changes that are going to go on. Devin, you've been in this business for a while. Have there been, uh, I would imagine there's been fewer times that have been more uncertain for organizations um, than what the last few years have been. I mean, COVID, business shifts, the great resignation, supply chain issues. Our business leaders and owners listening right now probably have a list that's twice even that size. I mean, this is a this is a unique moment in so many ways, Devin. It really is. Everything's kind of coming together at one time. And, you know, pre-COVID, we knew about the retirement trend we were facing. I mean, people saw that data. We knew it was going to be a challenge. And then you throw in all of the other rethinking that's going on and then actual just supply and operational challenges. There's a lot to face um, as an organization. And, and you know, if if you're in a position, and I think more have learned this than not, of reacting rather than proacting, you're way too late at that point. Um, you know, you this this idea that you should be developing employees, um, externalizing knowledge, templating, um, training, keeping people, other people kind of learning and shadowing in other jobs is really, I think, even more crucial than ever so that you've got some options as things change. I don't think anybody uh, thinks they're going to have a crystal ball on all of it, 
but you've got to give yourself options and you've got to have other ways to move workforce around um, to take care of things as different issues pop up. Devin, uh, I know in the next segment we're going to talk about, I think, a few solutions and things people need to be thinking about in this whole environment that you've just laid out. And, and I think we'll walk through a number of those things over the coming weeks for sure. But I wanted to ask you about what seems to me to be a very spe- the very specific Tucson uh, context um, around this. You know, I was looking at data that looked at what happened during the Great Recession and a lot of people think that, well, it was the millennials, you know, the young people in their early 20s who left in droves. It was actually uh, individuals in the middle of their career, those who are in their late 30s, 40s, early 50s, they left Greater Tucson in droves during the Great Recession. And that middle career workforce has never returned. And I think an impact of that, Devin, uh, is that Tucson has continued to be a place where you can start your career really well, actually, and you can end your career really well, actually, uh, but it is hard, and I talk to young people all the time who find it hard in their 30s and 40s to stay in Tucson, to find that mid-career job to grow in and to be a part of. And that whole rabbit trail is to say, Devin, that I think when it comes to succession planning, when it comes to finding that next man or woman up, to fill leadership positions in Tucson companies, I have to wonder that maybe our road's a little harder because of these two generational shifts that have happened in the last 15 years in Tucson. Is any of that true or accurate, do you think, Devin? What are you seeing out there? I do. uh, Yeah, I think that's very accurate. You know, um, when we're doing headhunting or recruiting or executive search, whatever you want to call it, we're, you know, obviously focused on local talent. This is where we always are going to, going to start. But there's so many times we've really got to put out a national search for those next level, and I'm talking director and mm. VP um, positions, because we've got the C-suite covered. Mo- you know, I always used to say, especially five years ago when I'm, or, well, now seven years ago now when I moved back to Tucson, you know, Tucson is a great place for a senior executive to plan retirement. So we have a lot of C-suite that might come in from other places, fill a top leadership position, and is about five to ten years from retiring. And you have to think about what that means for innovation for that organization. If I'm five years away from retiring, how much do I really want to change what I do and what this organization does, right? So there's things to think about there even if it's someone that grew with the organization over all those years, what's going to happen when they start to retire? And we're seeing people choosing retirement earlier than later because of the challenges going on. And so they're just opting out right as soon as they feel comfortable doing that. And so, you know, we've got to look at what is what is non-proactive succession planning <laughs> meant for Tucson, right? So if we haven't had career paths, If we haven't talked about, and I'm not saying make middle management positions, but we haven't talked about ways to knowledge share, to add challenge, to job shadow, and we haven't planned for these moves, or even worse, we've held on to people who aren't moving us forward because we're afraid of thinking about how to fill that role. It gets really stagnant, and it can even be uh, an issue that starts to eat itself. 
um, and feed off of itself. And so there's lots to talk about there. I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens as these positions start to retire out and who starts taking over um, in a leadership role. And do we look at that as an opportunity or do we just kind of tap tap the circle we know and try to just survive it? Yeah, Devin, it's such an interesting moment that is in, in Tucson, you know, and uh, not to be funny or tongue-in-cheek, I think we're, we're at a tipping point <laughs> on this. Um, I call the show what I call it for a reason. It's not because it sounds cute. Uh, we, are at a, we are at a tipping point moment on, on this issue um, around the future of our organizations, the ability to train and find talent here. And like we've been saying, Tucson has a very specific challenge and, and opportunities as well, but a very specific challenge on this front. And uh, we're glad, Devin, that you're here to, to walk us through it. So as always, we try to look at when it comes to finding uh, the right people to fill the right seats and doing the right job to allow our companies and organizations to thrive and grow in Tucson. I think we often start, Devin, by looking at what are the labor and market trends happening specifically in Tucson. You're based here. It's what you look at? Uh, what are the, the trends and movements we need to be looking at from a 30,000-foot standpoint? When we come back from our last break of the hour, uh, Devin, I want to dive in with you on what can our organizations and leaders listening today take away uh, uh, with them about how to prepare for this shift uh, and to, to think about these things in a more tactical way um, in their company. So, Matt, let's do that. Let's go visit some of our great sponsors who make the dream work here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVY, The Voice, Devin Underwood on the other side when we return. Don't go anywhere. From Oro Valley to Vail and everywhere in between, 1030 The Voice, trusted local news and talk. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural loss sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Tucson. Have you heard of local nonprofit Impact of Southern Arizona, where we are more than just a food bank with a clothing bank, youth and senior programs where we are moving people forward. Arizona Gives Day is coming up on April 5th and 6th, where you have the chance to support organizations like Impact. Learn more about Impact of Southern Arizona and our critical programs at www.impactsoaz.org. 
In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. Hey, guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I was hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I didn't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. And it's working. I'm losing the weight. If you're ready for a three-month journey to better health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. This is Bill Buckmaster, a preview of Arizona Gives Day at noon on 1030, Tucson's voice for Trusted News Talk. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona here live out of the Common Workspace Studios, Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. Full show it has been. You can catch it all on the podcast, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, KVUI.com forward slash podcast, four places you can listen back to the show. We're with Devin Underwood this morning, who's been our guide in understanding uh, one of the wackiest, weirdest uh, labor markets, uh, environments for, for business and organizations to survive and thrive. And over the last couple of years, we've really benefited from her wisdom in how to do that. Uh, Devin, we've been talking about how do our organizations um, make sure that they have the bench ready for the uh, huge wave of retirements that we've already begun to see happening and people moving on from organizations because of COVID and, and, and other environmental uh, changes to the business landscape. We talked about what that looks like specifically for Tucson and why we had some unique challenges. Uh, but what are what are some of the ways that organizations can get ready uh, for moving new folks into leadership positions in companies and organizations? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's amazing. I've been thinking through succession planning and getting more calls than ever about the advising um, stuff that we do, hmm. the advising side of our business. Wow. and. And it can be for leadership roles. It can be for just what I call key positions, those really important knowledge or expertise roles. And then even boards, you know, talking about what is the succession planning process of a board um, that's leading an organization on the nonprofit side of the world. And so um, there, there's definitely some found, foundational, fundamental pieces to that puzzle. And I think, Zach, I'm excited to keep speaking with you through this series, and we'll dive in deeper to each area. But, um, you know, to give kind of a summary, you want to first look at your current roles. Many people have made a business pivot or plan to, 
and they're heading in new directions. One of the things we love to do at the talent store is we love to recruit for newly creative roles because we help our clients understand what do they really get done? What do they need to get done? What are the skills and experience that really needs to be there to get that done? And then do those people exist in the market and where do they exist? But you've got to take a new look at your role. Don't just grab a job description and kick it out there. Um, really say to yourself, what is what needs to happen? What are the deliverables? And who's going to be someone who would hit the ground for the first 90 days? And what would get this person growing or continually challenged through the next five years? Um, so, so take a look at that, and, and that's a huge one. Once you have an idea of current roles, you want to look at what is the talent and experience available within the organization. Is there some conversations we can have about taking on new challenges, shifting some of the roles internally, and then what needs to be hired for? And so that's where we talk about really proactive talent attraction, giving yourself more options out there, talking about who you are as an employer. So it's not just who you're attracting now for this one opening, but who are you planting seeds with and getting on radar with so when you have an opening that makes sense for them, they've already started thinking about your organization. They've started looking into you because they really liked what they heard. Um, you know, I'm. we've got a search right now, two searches, that right away we're saying to my recruiting team, I'm saying you need to have at least five candidates qualified and ready to interview because two of them, in that in our, in our little anecdotal data, two of them are going to get an offer before they even get to interview. Hmm. And then through the interview process, depending on how long it is, there may be one left standing. You've got to give yourself options. And so the only way to do that is to have a proactive recruitment strategy, not a post and pray, not a tap your inner circle. You've got to do all of the above and make sure you've got a whole scale of qualified options as you walk through that interview and vetting process. Um, and then internally capturing and externalizing knowledge and best practices. I know we've worked together on some of this, Zach, but it's okay. How, how does that become a template? How does that become a checklist? How do we get information from everybody? I've got a director of engineering position we're working on, and one of the first key tasks of that person's 90 days is to really figure out how to externalize the knowledge base in these incredible engineers that they have on staff. And so that's a lot of the vetting I'm doing is asking, what have you done to capture knowledge, to share knowledge? to be able to move processes forward. Those are really important. And so internally figuring that out is gonna be a game changer for succession planning. And then staying in touch with your team, seeking employee input. We just did this really fun advising um, gig with a company here where we kind of did three different touches. We're doing manager stay interviews. We're doing employee surveys. And then we're going to roll out different perks and plans and communications um, and building consistent employee communications out from all of that feedback we get. So how do you stay in touch with your teams? How do you understand how they're feeling and where they want to head? And then we'll take all of this and create a succession planning process from it so you can keep doing that and keep evolving it. It's so interesting listening, Devin. It's a lot of information. 
It is, but yeah. it makes it makes sense to follow along and, and you know where my head is at, Devin. And tell me if I'm on the right track or not. Is I think we've been talking about a lot of these things as a business and organizational community for a while. Uh, of how do you create? You know, learning organizations where career pathways are there, where there's high team touches. And to be honest, Devin, it feels like it's been a nice to if you can, but you don't have to. Um, this is now a have to <laughs> because, right. because yeah. the transition in companies is going to be, we called it a silver tsunami uh, in the beginning. I did, not you. I called it a silver tsunami in the beginning. Um, where if you haven't developed plentiful replacements, if you haven't assessed roles, if you haven't created career pathways, you're going to have five leaders probably dip out in the next 12 months of, of most kinds of organizations, and you're going to be left holding the bag. And uh, you'll, you'll, you'll wish you did this, so you should probably start now. <laughs> yeah, and everybody who is feeling shock about employees leaving, right, um, how much of that not all of it, but how much of it could could have been solved if you stayed in touch with your employees and your teams in different ways? Um, would it feel less shocking? Would it be less of a surprise? Would you have had a plan around that? So there's there's a lot to unpack there, but this isn't new best practices. This is something we've been talking about for a long time. Unfortunately, or just how how things work is that Sometimes it has to be really painful or the bottom has to fall out a little bit for everything to get reorganized and, and take a new look at it, uh, you know, and, and shift it from a nice to do to a have to do to continue to, right. to grow as an organization. Yeah, and Devin, I think the bottom of the bag was the 4.3 million workers in the U.S. who quit their jobs in December 2021 mm-hmm. alongside the fact in the same year um, that over uh, 1,231 CEOs left their posts. So you have the top leaving, right. and then you have 4.3 million workers leaving. That's the moment, I think, where we went, okay, Devin, what's going on, and what do we, <laughs> what do, we do about it? What That's do we crazy do? crazy shift. Yeah. Right, yep. And, you know, when we were talking about that, it was such so hyper-focused on wages. And, mm. you know, you and I kept having discussions around, but, you know, okay, that, that may be a piece of the puzzle, and that might be part of what's going on. But how do you know that? How have you stayed in touch with your employees to understand that? Mm. How have you um, created new challenges and career paths? Um, you know, when when people freeze or, or really get nervous, I find people don't really like recruiting or fully understand it. They can get nervous around it. They can throw software at it, or they throw, you know, or they just say there's no way to do it anyway, so I'll just figure it out. Um, or they allow it to fester. And so what happens is your people that are staying are double in their workload. They're at capacity. You're getting them toward burnout. Or even worse, you're hanging on to toxic people who are infecting your culture because you don't want to have to fill their role. Right. And it actually makes you lose even more people. And so you've got to really look at all of those areas. And it's not just wages. Um, right, and it hasn't been. In fact, in any of the data that that we've seen, that's not that's not the only thing on the list, anyway. For sure, 
Devin Underwood, mm-hmm. uh, principal and founder of The Talent Store. We've covered a lot of ground at many different thousands of feet off the ground on this topic. It's complicated, but Devin, I think you simplify and you make it, dare I say, fun uh, for organizations and companies to work with you to find the right people at the right time for the right seats. Uh, we're going to dive into this in a lot more detail over the coming weeks. I know that. But in the meantime, where can people reach out to you and reach out to The Talent Store, Devin? Yep, go to yourtalentstore.com. You can grab a time right on my calendar and let's talk. Sounds good. Devin, uh, have a great weekend. We'll see you soon and thanks for all you do. All right, thanks, Zach. We're going to be back on Friday, Tucson, uh, to recap the week, things we haven't gotten to yet. Hugh Hewitt's up next, Bill Buckmaster at noon. Tucson, we'll see you on Friday.